Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Best on the Board here Friday, September 17th. We are getting ready for the rest of NFL Week 2. Of course, kicked off last night with the Giants and Washington football team playing a really, really entertaining game in Washington, pulling it out at the end, a 30-29 victory. Michael Beller, Casey Joyner here with you today. And Casey, great start to Week 2. That was. I had the football team picked to win that contest and they got that kick at the end i'm like oh no i'm like wait a minute there is a flag on the play yes <laughs> yeah beautiful uh <laughs> turn of events for those of us invested in the washington football team money line last night and take a look back at last week uh kc you're off to a very good start here on this show you went two and one you hit the jacksonville houston over 45 and a half san francisco made you sweat a little bit at the end but in at my at seven and a half and they ended up covering that against the Lions. Missed going 3-0 and by two, two Kareem Hunt rushing yards. You had over 34 and a half. He finished with 33. I went 1-2. and two. I was right on Denver over the Giants. They were three-point favorites. Aaron Jones came up short of the 19 and a half receiving yards. I thought he'd go over. And then I had a heartbreaker of myself. Tennessee, Arizona over 51 and a half. That game ended at 51 points. So just missed that one. By a point, but that's how it goes in the betting world. You're sitting at two and one on the season. I am at one and two. Let's get to our week two picks. Uh, your favorite one. Actually, I'm going to put this to you like this. Uh, Rams going into Indy. Three and a half point favorites. Feels potentially like it could be a trouble spot, but you're back in the favorite here. I'm definitely back in the favorite here because the Colts are in bad shape. First off, they're not going to have T.Y. Hilton. They may not have Darius Leonard. He missed Wednesday and Thursday's practice. He has an illness and an ankle injury. They say it's a non-COVID-19 illness, but he looks definitely questionable for this week, and he looks like he may not play. He's an all-pro backer and is huge for the defense. They might also not have Xavier Rhodes who missed Wednesday's practice. So shutdown corner he missed last week as well. So if you're down a couple of players, you're already on their uh, – you know, a couple of those players, they're also on their third-string left tackle. they got a quarterback who – if he's off his game, he's one of the most turnover-prone players at that position. Uh, you look at Matthew Stafford, week one, he showed why he's a dark horse MVP candidate. Stafford is repeatedly, or McVay has repeatedly said that Stafford gets everybody open on their playbooks so they can do whatever they want there. Henderson looks really good. I'm just looking at a lot of these different elements and looking at the destructive Los Angeles defense, and I'm going, I think they ought to be more than a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I really think that they, they, they're they in a much better spot right now than the Colts. So you play this game in another month, might be a different story. But this week, I like the Rams minus three-and-a-half. Yeah, you've, you look at what Seattle did against Indy last week, and you can see a lot of similarities as to what the Rams might be able to do and certainly will try to do. We saw Russell Wilson hit Tyler Lockett for a big play. Russell Wilson, his ever-efficient and explosive self at the same time, and you know that Sean McVay's got things schemed up for Matthew Stafford to try and follow that blueprint. Um, the one thing, you know, to be honest, the thing that if, if I'm going to be worried about anything, it's something you said right at the end. Why isn't this a little higher than three and a half? I'm not saying the Rams should be going into Indy and favored by a touchdown. That would be ridiculous, but... This just has the feeling of one that should be at four and a half, maybe even five with what we saw from these two teams in week one. Does that give you any bit of pause that this is sitting at what feels like a pretty friendly number? I think that the injuries are not being accounted for. I think that the public is thinking that Leonard will be fine and the public is thinking that, uh, that, that you know all this is, is there. And because injuries, a lot of times it takes a couple of weeks for the 
public a lot of times to catch up to where a team actually is. And again, if you're on your third string left tackle and you don't have Hilton, you don't have these things, I think they're thinking that week one was an anomaly and it's Seattle. It's like, no, Colts are in kind of a tough way right now. And it's good for them, actually, that they're going to go ahead and get their tough games out of the way because they're looking for the rest of you to go, well, you got four games against uh, Jacksonville and Houston. So, I mean, they're going to have some easier contests, but this is the worst time for them to have a matchup like this. This is physical ball, too. And that's the thing. If you're banged up and you play a team that plays physical, it's a real tough matchup. So, yeah, I don't think it's being factored in. All right, Rams minus three and a half at the Colts. It's minus 110. That is KC's first pick for week two. I'm going to one that similarly, I feel like a little bit concerned that I'm getting six on the Titans, especially since it was five and a half last night. And like, I woke up this morning, I went to check the line because, you know, we want to give you the lines as they are, as we're talking about them. And I saw it up to six and I was like, huh, six. I kind of like this a little less at six than I did at five and a half because it feels like they're asking us to bet on the Titans. I mean, there's there's just no way, Casey, no way, right, that they play as poorly offensively as they did last week. Uh, Ryan Tanhill under duress all game long against Arizona. Chandler Jones, five sacks in that game, and they could just never really get anything going. And we know that Tennessee's offense should be better than that. We know the line should be better than that, right? You had Taylor Luan, a very talented lineman, really just, you know, get beat, get beat often in that game, and that's just not something we expect to happen almost regardless of competition. Uh, He's going to get beat every now and again. Everyone does. But to get beat that consistently, that's just not something that we're going to expect from him or from that entire offensive line. And so I I just feel like this is a great spot for them to bounce back. I'm not saying they're going into Seattle and knocking off Seattle. I think the Titans are staring down an 0-2 start. But six points is a lot of points to give to an offense that we know should be much better than it was against Arizona. And from a defense that is one that we're not necessarily afraid of. Uh, This was a bad defense last year in Seattle, even though they turned things around in the second half a little bit. It's not one that we're expecting to suddenly jump back into the top 10 this year. And this is a way different team that they're facing in Tennessee than the one they faced in Indy last week. Indy, by design, is going to be a little slow, a little methodical. They gave 15 targets to Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. And that's really no knock on those guys. And I'm about to talk about one of them in a second here. But, you know, it's way different when you're talking about 15 running back targets versus what the Titans are going to do, getting A.J. Brown and Julio Jones vertical. The one thing that concerns me here is obviously Arthur Smith now in Atlanta. And the one thing that the Titans did really, really well over these last couple of seasons, really the season and a half that uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill's been their starter, is use play action. The best play action team in the NFL the last year and a half has been the Tennessee Titans. And they did very little of that in the first game of the season. So I hope that that's not a new staple of the offense, and I hope we see a little bit more play action from them this week. But ultimately, what this comes down to for me, KC, way too many points. This feels like a prime bounce-back spot for Tennessee. Again, Seattle wins the game, in my estimation, but it stays within a touchdown. So even though I was a little bit worried about the fact that it bumped up to six here this morning, I still feel pretty good about the Titans going into Seattle and catching six points. So I will take that at minus 110. I can see where you could agree with that. Um, I think I always say that when it comes to shootout games, games where each team might be projected to score 24 or more points, you can look at the mm-hmm. best offenses in NFL history and there are 50-50 propositions. I'm talking 500-point teams or 50-50 propositions, basically, when you're looking at that kind of situation. I look at the Titans going, the Titans know probably that their defense is kind of bad shape. We need to turn this into that kind of shootout. I don't think the culture will do it last week. I think Titans can do that this week. And if you get that kind of situation, that's kind of makes this plus six good for them. 
Yeah, I think so too. Obviously, we're very concerned about what Russell Wilson can do on the other side. I mean, he is just going to, I mean, you know, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray play, you know, different styles of game and he's not the the sort of runner that Kyler Murray is. But again, similar to what we're talking about with Sean McVay, looking at what Russell Wilson did to uh, Indy and feeling pretty good about his chances with Matthew Stafford against Indy. You got to feel like uh, Seattle and Shane Waldron uh, is looking at what the, uh, looking at what the Cardinals did to this Tennessee defense last week and feeling like he can scheme up some things to make some big plays happen. So, you know, I don't think this is a game that I'm winning on the plus six by it being 20 to 14. I think it are 20 yeah. to 15, something like that. I think it's someone winning on the plus six where it's 34 to 30 and the Seahawks come out with the victory. But again, I just feel like that offense, please Todd Downing, let's get back to some play action. Let's get some play action in the game here because that's what was so good for this Tennessee team over the last year and a half. And I think they need it in this game. And if they get back to it, I like them staying with that plus six. We've both got a running back prop that we like, and uh, we're both uh, got a little Wisconsin tie-in. You got a guy who plays professionally in Wisconsin for your player prop here. What do you got for us? I have Aaron Jones uh, being able to go over 68 and a half yards against the Lions. Lions defense was bad before this coming week. They lost Jeff Akuda, their top cornerback. It wasn't that good, but they lost him to an Achilles injury, so... Across the board, they give the Packers, I have great matchups on a 1-100 one, one to 100 scale with 100 being the most favorable. Rush defense, Lions give, 100, uh, give the Packers 100 matchup points. Pass defense, they give the Packers 100 matchup points. So look at that going on. You know, the Packers have everything they need to be able to turn this game around. Mm-hmm. The Packers offensive line is better than they played last week. Jones is always supposed to superb totals in a metric I have called good blocking yards per attempt. It measures how productive a back is when you give him quality run blocking. It's really important because good blocking plays are four to five times more productive than bad blocking plays, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Detroit did a terrible job in allowing good blocking yards per attempt last week. I'm just looking at a number of these factors going, all you have to do for Aaron Jones is get one good run and then 10 solid runs after that. And he's probably going to carry the ball maybe 20 times, at least in this contest, I would think. So I keep looking at 68 and a half and go, I see a lot of pass to get there. And I wouldn't be shocked, to be honest, if he gets a run, one single run, of 68 and a half more of yards. I would not be surprised <laughs> to see him break off a big gainer and get it all in one play. But the fact that he could do it all game, I, I really like that possibility because the Detroit defense is abysmally bad. Yeah, they uh, Elijah Mitchell, 19 carries for 104 yards against this defense last week in emergency duty, right? I mean, he's practicing, but how much time did he really spend with the ones leading up to that game? And then Raheem Mostert goes down early, and that offense in San Francisco really didn't skip a beat with uh, Elijah Mitchell taking over. So this feels like a good spot for Aaron Jones. And has there ever been a more prime bounce-back, get-right spot for a team that needs it more? than the Packers after their week one performance getting the Lions at home on Monday night football? I I, I could not you you could not have made this I mean you could get that Lions team with 0 16. I don't know that they would be a better matchup than this one. If you told Matt LaFleur before the season, all right, Matt, you're gonna get blown out by the Saints in week one. That's gonna happen. Now you can pick any opponent, any venue for week two. It's up to you, Matt. Who do you want? He without even thinking for a second, give me the Lions at home. Give me the Lions at home week two. That's exactly what they have. So I think there's going to be a lot of love for the Packers going around this weekend. As I said, Wisconsin tie-ins for both of us. You've got a professional in Wisconsin. I got a guy who played his college ball at Wisconsin, and it's Jonathan Taylor. Give me the over on just 15 and a half receiving yards for Taylor. We talked about this a lot last year. You know, Taylor was a better receiver than he was getting credit 
headed for in the draft process. And you actually saw that his last year at Wisconsin. They didn't really use him as a receiver those first couple of years. And why would they? Well, he's running for 2,300 yards. But they used him way more as a receiver his final year there. And he showed off what he could do as a receiver. We then saw that in the second half of the season for the Colts last year. Guy ended up catching 36 out of 39 targets. A very efficient receiver out of the backfield. Last week, he got seven targets against the Seahawks. Caught six of them for 60 yards. Five of those targets came when the game was still in doubt, right? It wasn't like we're just talking about dump-offs and Seattle sitting in some two-deep shell and whatever, and, you know, he's just racking up garbage yardage. Five of those came in the first three quarters with the result of the game still in doubt. Three of those five, KC, were on screenplays designed for Taylor. The other two were on legitimate pass routes, not him in pass blocking, and then nothing happens, and he just leaks out for a quick little dump-off from Carson Wentz. So every single one of the five was a pass route. Three of them where he was the first read, where the play was designed designed for him. You combine that with what Naeem Hines did, eight targets in that game, also six catches for him for 48 yards. You look out wide, and as you mentioned, no T.Y. Hilton for this team, no real major receiving threat among the tight ends. Taylor and Hines are going to have massive pass game roles to play for this team every single week this season, and I think that includes when T.Y. Hilton is back, and this line simply hasn't adjusted to that reality. I think we're going to see both Taylor and Hines be important receivers for this team, even when we get Michael Pittman a little bit more involved. Zach Paschal, we know what sort of receiver he is. This just this is a, an explosive guy who I think they need involved in every sort of way they can get him involved. I love him going over this number. One of my favorite plays, probably my favorite player prop of the week right here. And they're facing a line, a defensive line, that they're going to be able to get a ton of pass rush again, that third string left tackle. So you're going to run a lot of screens against them. If you've get, if, if you got a pass rush coming, you want to control it. One of the ways to control it is to make those linemen think about screen passes. So if they did it last week, I would think they'd be even more tempted to do so this week. And if the Rams' offense is as explosive as it looks like they can be against the Colts' defense, might be catch-up mode, and it might be you're, you're passing about early on when the when the game is in doubt but once they get behind then you're throwing it to me even more so i like this a lot two of those taylor screens also going for double digit yards one of them going for more than the 15 and a half that this number asks him to beat really feeling jonathan taylor at 15 and a half receiving yards all right, KC, one more pick a piece here, and you are looking to a big clash in the NFC. Eagles and 49ers, both these teams picking up wins. The Eagles opening some eyes, perhaps, with their win over the Falcons, their dominant win over the Falcons, and uh, you think they keep things rolling here. I do think they keep things rolling. San Francisco last week, I mean, you think about how they're supposed to be this great power rushing team, and they did get some big games. We talked about Elijah Mitchell a couple minutes ago, but... They only had a 24% mark on a metric I have called good blocking rate. A metric so often an offense gives this ball courage quality run blocking. So they weren't run mm-hmm. blocking very well. The Eagles defense, I think, is going to play better this week than they did last week. They're adjusting to a new setup where they're doing a lot more two-gapping on defense, which uh, means your linebackers can read and react more. They didn't do very well on it last week. I think they'll do better on it this week. So they're going to be able to slow that 49ers running game a lot. And the Eagles last week, they've got maybe the best offensive line coach in the NFL in Jeff Stoutland, and they got a 63.3% good blocking rate last week against Atlanta. I think I could do just the same. Jalen Hurts has a mastery of Nick Sirianni's pass-centric, short pass, pass-centric offense. Of their throws last week, only one was a deep pass. All the rest, according to the NFL gamebook, were short passes. So they're doing a fantastic job there. I think the receiving core is very good. I think the Niners having to, uh, you know, I, I think that they're going to have some more trouble running the football than they did last week. I think last week that matchup with the Lions kind of shored up, we kind of covered up the idea that they've got some issues on their on their line. So I actually think the for, the Eagles are going to get the win in this one straight up. So I'm going to take a money line plus 135. 
Yeah, they are a three-point dogs at home at last check in this game. And I, if it plays to that script, KC, we're going to have some of our friends in the fantasy industry feeling very nervous about those big bids they put on to get Eli Mitchell uh, after uh, the performance he had in place of the injured Raheem Mostert. This is a fun game. This is a game where you know we think we have a good handle on the 49ers, right? We, we know what they want to do, at least. And we think we know how well they can do it. Uh, we'll see what happens with Brandon Ayuk. Would love to see him jump up back above Trent Shurfield in this one. But, you know, the Eagles still just a theory right now, uh, even after that impressive performance against the Falcons a week ago. So this will be a fun one to see just what the Eagles are, or at least have another strong data point that lead, helps us start figuring out what the Eagles are. Falcons could be scraping the bottom of the barrel this season, but this pick here, plus 135 for you, Eagles over Niners in, on the money line. This is another one, man, that I just like, I still feel like it's maybe too good to be true, but I like the Cardinals a lot here uh, at home against the Vikings, minus three and a half. Anthony Barr, Michael Kendricks are going to miss, or excuse, Eric Kendricks going to miss this game for the Vikings. So you're talking about taking away two starting linebackers, your two best linebackers against Kyler Murray. And that right there for me is really what puts this one over the top. I was already leaning Cardinals. And now I look at a game where I just don't see how the Vikings defense slows Arizona down. And I think that part of this is still banking on a name brand Vikings defense that just doesn't have it. They really didn't have it last year. And we always expect a little bit more from a Mike Zimmer defense. And I think uh, people were assuming there was going to be some sort of bounce back uh, this year. We didn't really see that against Cincinnati. Not that they got the doors blown off them or by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, Joe Burrow felt pretty comfortable back there. Joe Mixon ran for a lot of yards and a lot of yards per carry. It just never really felt like a game in which Cincinnati's offense was pressured, even though, you know, they only put up the, the 24 points and they needed to get to overtime to put up that number. But I still feel like this is a very comfortable spot for Arizona's offense. And then so I look on the other side, if I'm buying Arizona's offense, I like Minnesota's offense as well, uh, but it just feels like they're going to have a little bit of trouble keeping up in this game. I think Arizona's the better team. And I think that if we were looking at Arizona in a division other than the NFC West, we would already be looking at them as a, you know, a playoff favorite uh, with what they have, what they had last year, what they bring into this year, and that very impressive performance that they put on Tennessee last week on the road. So, yeah, I think that we're going to start seeing some eyes opening to what this Cardinals team is this season. And again, last week, that maybe was not just a failing of the Tennessee offensive line, right? Arizona did that to them. Arizona put that pressure on them. Arizona made that offense uncomfortable. This could be a at least league average and maybe even a good above average defense in Arizona. And if that ends up being the case, then we're really talking about a strong team on both sides of the ball. I think they showed that off a little bit this week. I like the Cardinals to win this one by uh, at least four points. I think they end up winning this game by maybe even close to a touchdown. Uh, but give me the three and a half at minus 110. The Cardinals have the kind of defense that they need with their offense. With their offense, they're going right. to presumably play with the lead, and they need an athletic kind of defense. That's kind of like Tony Dungy did back in the Colts back in the day. They didn't have the biggest defense, but they were a fast, athletic defense. That's what they are, and that's the, they're, they're perfect for what they for what they are. The Vikings last year, Zimmer said it was the worst defense he'd ever coached in the NFL. He's been the NFL coach for a couple of decades plus. <laughs> yep. And they gave up, but they let Jamar Chase last week he has the second most yards by a Bengals rookie receiver in a first start. So, I mean, they let Jamar chase. Jamar's talented, but still, I mean, that, that the Bengals have had a long history of a lot yeah. of good receivers, and that <laughs> that's what they let him do. So, I think, yeah, I think the Vikings are in a bad way, and I, I, I'm i with you. I don't know that the point spread is caught up with how bad the Vikings might be defensively, because if they're as bad defensively this year mm -hmm. as they were last year, it's, it's Zimmer's last year in Minnesota. 
and they're just they're just going to have trouble against really good defenses, and and that, that's with Barr and Kendricks. And now you take those guys out of the equation, and mm-hmm. man, I just think they have a lot of trouble slowing down Arizona. I think their offense can play well in this game. I expect their offense to play well in this game. I think their offense played. You know, Kirk Cousins was very efficient in that game last week, and I think they will play well in this game. But I could just see this getting you know for every for every like one score that Minnesota averages, the Cardinals are going to put up like one point three scores as the possessions go back and forth, and it just I just find it you know very hard to believe that they can keep up with um, Arizona unless they slow down Arizona and I just don't see a way that that happens especially with Barr and Kendricks out so give me the Cardinals minus three and a half that's where I'm going to leave it and that's where we're going to leave it for this episode of best on the board thank you for watching us on YouTube for those of you who did thank you for listening as well this show returns on Monday with me and Andrew DeWitt taking an early look at the week three lines for Casey Joyner I am Michael Beller. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for watching. Good luck this weekend. Happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.